tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, welcome. We are so glad that you chose to interact with us and the Lord this morning, either in person or online. Welcome to you. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. Obviously, we talked about that a moment ago, but uh, there is much to be gained in our time together, especially when we go through times of sorrow and sadness or lament. I was part of three uh, different memorial services these last few weeks, and though we were walking in and through grief, it was good to be among people and family and friends and to interact with God. God gets our sorrow and draws close to us. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. God sees us. As King David lamented his trouble, he is encouraged that God knows what's happening. And in Psalm 56, verse 8, it expresses this way. You, God, have kept count of my tossings. That word tossing means struggling or wanderings or angst that's inside. And, and, and God, you know, and you kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. In other words, God collects those and knows what's happening. Are they not in your book? God sees us. And it's okay to lament, even in when we lamenting our, when we're lamenting our own mistakes and difficulties we've brought upon ourselves for there is a blessing when we express those deep feelings of sadness, those laments to God for in lament, there is a proof of a relationship we have with God because we turn to him in lament. There is a pathway to intimacy with God because on that deeper level of struggle, we go to him. And in lament, there's a prayer we ask of God to help us, to encourage us, to act in some way. And in that also is a participation with others who struggle. And there's a fellowship among sufferers. Lament is a good thing. And in this season uh, before Easter called Lent, meaning length of time from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, we lament. We lament what Jesus went through for us the beatings, the abuse, the horrible reality of the cross, the lament of our sin. We lament the sin that nailed him there. But we do not lament without hope because Jesus didn't stay dead. And that's why we get so excited about Easter because on that Sunday, woo, he rose from the grave, giving an exclamation point and proof positive that he is our savior. And so to help us lament with hope, we have been studying through this very interesting Bible book of Lamentations. Lamentations is made up of five different Hebrew style poems that teach us and challenge us. Though we face difficulty and sorrow, even when there are own mess ups and mistakes where we've experienced or are experiencing the wrath of God, there is hope just like Israel who had faced the wrath of God for their their sin and taken into captivity and treated deplorably, yet there is hope in God. That hope, it was realized as they got honest and personal with God, and that can happen with us. Now remember, God's wrath and, and anger are not like human vengeful aggression, but God's wrath 
is his right judgment and giving people over to the consequences of not following God's will and God's way. Israel faced that. And these poems were their venting of feelings as they honestly cried out and interacted with God. For honest, personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. It's like when we play catch. Uh, Hap, can I borrow you for a second? Come on up here for a second. Uh, Hap, I'm sure Hap likes to play catch. He seems like a nice guy. You like to play catch, Hap? Well, you do, you do now today. So I, I need something to play catch with. Oh, Haley, thank you. Um, we want to play catch together. You ready? I know you can do this. Here we go. Here we go. You got it? Okay, that's good. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, here we go. We're doing it again. Okay, this is how the, wait, wait, wait on that, Hap. This is how you, you play catch. We interact together. Now, what happens if Hap throws the ball? Go ahead. There goes my notes. That's fun. And I do nothing about it. Oh, thanks, Hap. I'll figure that out later. But we, we interact. That's how you play catch. You interact with each other. You, you, you go with that. God, like Hap, wants to interact with us. And he says, here, let's play catch. Let's go back and forth and play catch and have a great time together. But sometimes we say, ah, God, I don't want to play your way. I'm going to do my own thing. Now, God's still there holding the ball, waiting to us to interact with him. But we say, now, nah, we don't want to play by your rules. I want to play by my rules. I remember, I didn't want to play with you. I want to play with something else that's going to give me more fulfillment. So I'm going to go to, into work and, and I think that that's going to give me fulfillment. I'm going to go into relationships thinking that's going to give me fulfillment. But really the way of fulfillment happens when we interact with God. Thank you, Hap. Appreciate that. Give him a hand. <laughs> While I try to organize my notes. <clears throat> Anyways, but we, we, we have that opportunity to encourage and to, to be with God and to interact with him. If we want God's help, we are to be humble, to come under his way and be honest with him, to interact with him on his terms. Lamentations 3, chapter 3, gives us three personal applications to draw close to God in times of lament. So let's explore this chapter. Knowing honest personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, let's pray and ask God to challenge us and encourage us. I am glad that you're here because I know God wants to say something to you. So let's ask him. Father God, we know that your scripture is live and breathing and it has something to say for us. And we've come here this morning, but really led by you because there's something you want us to gain from this message today. So Father, we open ourselves up to you. Allow us to gain what you want. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Challenge us, encourage us, convict us if that's needed, Lord. And just move in our hearts, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. And I encourage you to take out of the, the outline that you received when you came in today, uh, your, your, your magazine. Open up. There's some blanks to fill in. If you're online, this is online somewhere there. You can find that and encourage you to jot down some notes and uh, walk through that. And their answers will be up on the screen. If you miss that, uh, there'll be, uh, there's a study guide that's out in the lobby area. If you go out these double doors and turn right, right there in those desks there, there's a, one desk is our resource center. And in there, there's a, 
a study guide in there that has all the answers and all the extra verses. And plus there's a link in there. I really want you to, to look at it. it uh, you can type it in or Google it. I'll mention more about that later on. But our hope is that you would delve a little deeper as we walk through our time together after today. Look up those extra verses, check out that link, look at those questions in our, in our study guide or use them in your um, life groups. But also if you missed that, there's a uh, place on our website called Revive. It's right on that front page there. And there's a lot of links you can connect to there. Plus there's a link to our podcast, which we do every week where we expand on what we've been talking about on Sunday. Well, as we mentioned, these Hebrew poems have a structure of lamentations. There's five of them. And they're what's called an alphabetic acrostic. Uh, they're 22 verses for the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, alphabet, gimel, dalet, so forth, and gone down the road. And, and yet chapter three is unique. Chapter three has three verses per letter. Aleph, 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 bet, bet, bet. And then the first word of that verse starts with that letter. And it's different. Uh, it's in the middle, meaning that we're always to come back to the center of this writing which is Lamentations chapter three, specifically verse 22 to 24. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. The Lord is my portion. My soul says, therefore, I will hope in him. Saying that no matter what we go through, what's, what sorrow or hurtful or mourning or, or, or upsetting issue or circumstance, even those that we bring upon ourselves, we can turn back and interact with God to play catch with him who is Jesus. As we learn in Colossians chapter one, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. And in Christ Jesus, we find hope and experience help for honest personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. Three personal actions to draw near to interact with God in times of the lament from Lamentations chapter three. The first is to get honest and to see God. If you haven't already done so, take your Bible and open up to the Bible book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter three, as we walk through there. Israel had messed up. God had given them specific ways to play the game. You do these things and follow these rules about the land and about interacting with me and everything will be well with you. If you don't, he's going to turn you over to his wrath, his judgment, and it's not going to be good for you. So they messed up. They felt the distance from God. And in Lamentations chapter one, we talked about that distance from God and, and, and had experienced his wrath. In Lamentations chapter two, it speaks of that wrath Again, that, that wrath, meaning that God giving them over to their sin. And now in Lamentations chapter three, they have stopped blaming and are getting humbly honest, interacting with God, putting words to their feelings. Look at Lamentations. Let me just read the first few verses here. I'm the man who has seen affliction and under the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and brought me into darkness without light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. You can kind of feel the words there. They're finally getting honest. This is how I feel. I really feel the distance with God. I really feel that I'm not playing the same game as him anymore. I feel out of it and it's not working. 
He has made my, verse four, he has made my flesh like, and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of the long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. And though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. He has blocked my ways and blocked with blocks of stones. He has made my past crooked. This is a lot of visual imagery, but he's trying to express his emotions here. He is, he is like a bear lying in wait for me, a lion hiding from me. He has turned aside from my steps, verse 11, and torn me into pieces, obviously figurative language. He's still talking. He's not torn to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent the bow and he sent me as a target for his hour. He's drove it into my my kidneys, an hour of his quiver. Wow, you sense he's finally getting honest. This is how I feel. No longer pretending, oh, it's okay. No, it's all fine. No, I'm feeling it, being away from God, not playing him his way. And, and it goes on. Verse 14, I feel like a laughingstock. Uh, uh, verse 15, uh, with bitterness. Verse 16, my teeth grind on gravel. Hi. Ever had sand in your mouth? Verse 17, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. My endurance has perished and so has my hope in God. It's good to identify and to name our feelings as we talk and interact with God. This is not a a prideful rant where we just pop off because we're not getting our way. God, I'm so angry. Oh, you've done this. It's not a thing of blaming. Or is it a pride-driven, self-empowered, disrespectful criticism of God Almighty? God, how dare you? How dare you have this, this thing happen to me? Don't you know what I'm going through? <laughs> God Almighty, who knows everything, don't you know? It's not that. But it's an honest bearing of our feelings to God. Much like the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43. Matter of fact, if you have your Bible, just flip over to Luke chapter 23 and, 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 and notice this scene, Jesus, as we, as we come towards the, the, the Easter Sunday and Good Friday when he was crucified, he was crucified between two criminals One of them says this in verse 39, one of the criminals who was hanging railed at him. That means throwing insults and curses at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And he was just venting in anger. That's not what this lamentations is. It's not a vent of anger. It's an honest approach to God in humility. Look at verse 40 of Luke 23, but the other, that other criminal on the cross next to Jesus rebuked him, the one who was spewing, railing at Jesus saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man pointing to Christ has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be in paradise. See, when we get honest with God, that's to play the game his way. 
and we interact from that. That's where the help, that's where the hope is found. To be honest with God and interact with him with humble respect. Yeah, we need at times to name our feelings. Maybe you identify with some of those words in Lamentations chapter three or any of the other, the Lamentation writings, specifically in Psalms. It helps us to express those words. Maybe even write them in a journal. But it doesn't stop there. We don't just express our words. We then set our hope on God and see God. Go back to Lamentations now. Again, chapter three, but now looking, starting in verse 21. This is in the middle of his expressing his feelings to God. He says this in verse 21. But this I call to mind after he's expressed and and dumped his honest feelings in coming to God. This I come to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. There are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God's love, that's the Hebrew word hased, one of my favorite words of the Old Testament because it speaks of the loving kindness of God. It's that never flowing, always on, always present. God waiting there to interact with us. It never leaves us. He's always there. You can't not turn your back on him and run and he's still there. And he will always be there. All we need to do is to turn towards him and experience that hope in him because his mercy holding back what we do deserve is new every morning. Hope is belief. It's that trust in all of who God is, his steadfast love, his faithfulness, his mercy. The thief on the cross saw Jesus and placed his hope in him and he was rescued. He was restored. For honest personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. The question is, will we? Will we get honest with God and turn and interact with God and see him and find our hope in him? Because Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. No matter what you struggle with, no matter what you face in life, Jesus is always the answer. And to go to him and to face him and interact with him, that's where hope is. That's where help is. That's where healing is. That choice of hope is found in the next section of drawing close to God in times of lament. As we look at Lamentations 3, that it's a trust in God's character. In this section, we find two aspects of God's, of Jesus's character to trust. To trust is to rely on to have a confidence in, to set our hope on. Lamentations 3 gives us these two aspects of the Lord we can place our trust in. The first is in his goodness. That's found in verses 26 to 30. You can read the whole passage, but let me just read you verse 25 to 27. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. We just saw, sang a song about waiting on the Lord. To wait is to trust in The Lord is good for those who trust and wait for him. The soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait, trust quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bears the yoke in his youth. In other words, it's good for us to come there when we're young at heart, when we're still breathing. 
It's good to come to him. God is good, both practical and material good. He's also morally good. Like when God created the world, he said, he looked at it and said, this is good. All the systems are good. The beautiful is good. It's good and right. And it was amazing. The garden was beautiful. It was good. And sin messed it up. It didn't mess up God's goodness. Everything about God is good, including his way. It's like when Jesus healed that woman who was bleeding in, in, in Mark chapter five, verses 24 to 34. Some of you know the scene. If you, and if you're watching the chosen and see that scene, you can't help but just feel with her. And I encourage you to, to watch it. Go to YouTube, get uh, chosen, go to uh, season three and find that scene with that woman. It's actually out of scripture. Now they dramatize it a little bit differently, but it's, it's still the same. This woman who had been having a, a, a hemorrhage for years and years and years, she had paid all kinds of money to go to doctors and to try to heal her. Nothing helped. And because of that, and because of Jewish law, she was unclean. She could not interact with anybody. She was shunned. She was isolated. She was put aside. So she was feeling not only the pain of the loss of blood continually, but also the pain of being out of fellowship with someone. Some of you know what that feels like. You know what isolation is like. No human touch, no human interaction. It's horrible. Well, she thought she had such a faith in Jesus that she even reached out and touched the hem of his garment. She would be healed. So Jesus is rolling through with a crowd of people. He's trying to get to Jairus's house because his daughter is dying and he's going to heal her. And she just said, the crowds are pushing in because everybody wants to touch Jesus. And she somehow wriggles through the crowd, though she shouldn't have because she was unclean. She did anyways, and she touched Jesus and bam, she was healed. She felt it in her body and Jesus felt it. Because he turned around and said, who touched me? Now, what's hilarious about that is that one of the disciples comes in and says, Jesus, we're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, no, no. Someone touched me with that faith touch. And I felt it move out of my body. He reeled around and there she was probably crumpled on the ground. So isolated she'd felt, but she knew she was healed. And Jesus bent down to her and looked her in the eyes and said, daughter, he immediately not only healed his, her physical element, but he healed her emotional element by giving her belonging. She was no longer an outcast. She was no longer there. And he reached out and touched her. Probably the first human touch she'd had in years. God is good. We can trust in the goodness of the Lord. And interact with him based on his goodness. Another aspect of the Lord's character is his justice. In Lamentations chapter uh, 3, 31 to 39, speak of that. Let me just read just a portion of that in 34 to 36. To crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of of the most high, to subvert a man in lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. The Lord doesn't approve of that kind of justice. He has a different kind of justice based on his character and based on the rightness that he sets. God is just, meaning he is right or righteous or holy. God and his way and his will are the right way to go in life. Jesus expressed that in John chapter 
14, verse six, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God's justice is the bringing out of his will and his way. And that includes dealing with sin. There's a great article that I'd love for you to, to read. It's, it's found in your notes. It's on the justice of God. But this whole reality of what Easter represents is the justice of God being fulfilled. The world and mankind is sinful and needs a savior. And God provides the just right way by sending Christ to this earth to not only show us how to live, but also to deal with our sin problem. And he went through a a horrible reality of that as he was beaten, scourged, hung upon a cross and all the sin of the world was dumped on him. And he died paying the penalty for sin. But on that third day on Easter, he rose from the grave proving that it is true. Jesus is the savior. He's the one that can deal with our sin. He is the one that is a guarantee. That's why Easter is so vital, important to our faith. And oh man, I hope you celebrate on Easter with us. It's going to be, it's going to be a great time. Now human justice will always be flawed because it's tainted by our sinful bent. The Pharisees and the religious riot did just that. We see that in Jesus as healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. What's interesting about this account is found in three of the gospels. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, which he does a lot of times. And the Pharisees are already hearing things about him and questioning him because he wasn't following their justice. He was following God's justice, his justice. And there was a man with a withered hand and they were waiting to see if he would heal him. Lo and behold, Jesus says, stretch out your hand to a man's hand that was withered and healed him on the Sabbath. And they were so taken by that because they couldn't be expressing the miracle of somebody who was hurting and struggling, but they, they were so worried about their justice because they had taken the law of God and added to it that you couldn't heal on the Sabbath. God's word never says that they added to that because that's what we do. We create our own justice. When Jesus confronts their self-made self-centered religion and Jesus brings justice and God's right weight there. Now we fall into the same trap. Oh, you need to follow relationships my way. God, you need to, to come to me my way. You need to meet me at this way and says, how dare we? The God of heaven has created a way to come to him, to turn to him. All we need to do that and he will interact with us. The question is, will we interact trusting in who the Lord is? For the whole honest personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. In times of lament, even from times we bring it upon ourselves, with our own mistakes and our errors. We are to get honest and see God trusting in his character, his goodness, his justice. And in all these things, we are to lastly pray to interact with God in conversation where we talk to God and he communicates to us. Now God doesn't communicate. He doesn't communicate to me verbally, (laughs) but I get that sense in my soul. And I always check that with scripture because my mind is, woo, goes out there. And I think all kinds of crazy thoughts. 
but God's, God's word is, is, is clear to us, just like it's speaking to us now. God speaks to us. And when we interact with him, we play catch with him. We can gain from that. Prayer is in a sense that interaction with God. Prayer can be formal or conversational. We can recite prayers or make our own prayers. They can be written or text or emailed or journaled or just thoughts in our mind. Prayer is the essence of interacting with God. Three avenues of prayer come out in these last verses of our text. The first is honest confession. That's found in verses 40 to 54. Let me just read to you a portion of that in verse 40 to 42. It said, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven, not forgiven because there has not been an honest confession, but now there is. They're feeling it. Look at them getting honest with their feelings. Just go through verse, verse 43 to 54. You've wrapped yourself. They're getting honest here. God, you've wrapped yourself in anger and pursued us. Verse 44, no prayer can pass through. That's how it feels. It feels like I'm distant from God. Verse 45, you've made us scum and garbage among people. We feel as low as we possibly can feel. Verse 47, devastated and destructed. Verse 48, my eyes flow with rivers of tears. Jumping down to verse 52, I have been hunted. We feel that fear of, of, of not quite everything around every corner. And suspect Ebony, they, they, they flung me alive into a pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head. I said, I'm lost. That's how it feels to be distant from God and that honesty of confession. And what we're to do is what verse 41 says, to let us lift up our hands and our hearts what is the universal sign of surrender? Show it to me. That's surrender. I give it up. It's a time when I say, okay, God, I'm tired of doing it my own way. And I surrender to you. To let us, verse 41, let's lift up our hearts and our hands to God of heaven. Let us surrender. We're to examine our lives. And to go before him and to see if there's any sin in us and to ask God to help. That's why I love Psalm 139. At the very end of that, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any hurtful way, any sinful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That lifting up our hands in surrender it is to humbly surrender to God's will and God's way and to express humble dependence on him and to confess, to agree with God's right way and just way. God, I turn my back on you. God, I shouldn't have gone that way. I should have gone directly to you. God, forgive me of that. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or to get honest and confess. Another prayer is to ask of God. That's found in verse 55 to 59. Let me just read a portion of that from verse 55 
to 57. I call on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my crying for help. You come near when I called you and you said, do not fear. God wants us to trust in him. He wants to interact with us. He wants us to to have that playing catch interaction with us. And we're to ask. You know, one of the reasons why we ask you to write out prayers is yes, we want to pray for you. And I love to pray for you. I hold those cards on my desk all week and pray for you. But one of the other reasons is to get us all used to writing out our prayers, writing out our requests, to come to that place of surrender and ask of God. And the same reason why we have opened up this opportunity called a space for prayer in our services. We're going to do that after the sermon. I challenge you to write out your requests and use that opportunity to pray with somebody There's lots to pray for things that go on in our own life with others, praying for the church, for our cities, for our schools, for our friends, for our family. There is so many things to pray about. And God asks us to come and ask, come and interact. Last prayer is to trust in God's outcome in verses 60 to 66. It talks about that. And I don't know if you've ever been wronged or blamed or had your character wrongly represented that ever happened to you? I know it has for me. It hurts. And sometimes we want vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I'm his instrument. <laughs> we want to do it ourselves. That's misquoting scripture, by the way, just so you know. We want vengeance even though there are times we kind of deserve the backlash because we were in the wrong. I've been there too. And yet what we need to do is to trust in God's right vindication. Lamentations chapter three, verse 46. God, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. It's leaving it in God's hands. We get into so much trouble when we try to take God's place and pass judgment. Don't go there. Trust in God. Again, his goodness and his justice. We are to pray, to humbly confess, to ask of God, and to let God know we trust him as he deals with those who hurt, with, hurt, who hurt us. That interactive prayer changes us. Honest, personal interaction with the Lord brings help and healing to a wounded soul. You see, interacting with God is so refreshing. Yes, challenging, but like playing catch, God is always there and he wants to engage with you, with us. The question is, will we? Even in our sorrows, in times of lament, whether the cause was one we created, but when we come to him, we receive help and healing. As we get honest and see God, as we trust in God's character, his goodness, his justice, and as we pray, as we confess and ask and trust, the choice is ours. God is waiting 
expectantly, hoping that you will interact with him. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come before you and interact with you, uh, Lord, we're encouraged. We're encouraged because we know that you love us. Your chesed, your loving kindness is ever present, always there. You're never not standing there, holding that ball, waiting to interact with us. Lord, help us to not just turn away. Help us to truly interact with you. To take those moments, to take those times, to take those opportunities and efforts and energies to come before you and to interact with you. Thank you for being such a loving and forgiving and wonderful God. Help us to sense that, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.